Hey guys, Grant here. I want to tell you all about my friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of Gatlinburg who are making it possible to bring this episode to you. As you guys know, I grew up in East Tennessee, and there are two things that all East Tennesseans have in common. We all love the balls, and we all love the Smoky Mountains. Since I've moved to Nashville, I've been unable to get my Smoky Mountain fix in, but thankfully our friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of downtown Gatlinburg have me covered. They are conveniently located at 1100 Parkway and are within walking distance of all the major attractions and best food that downtown Gatlinburg has to offer. To book your Smoky Mountain getaway today, visit BlackBearGatlinburg.com or call 865-436-5656 or toll free at 1-800-933-0777. Welcome to this edition of the Volin' Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with my partner in crime, Grant Williams. How you doing today, bud? Man, Jordan, dude, it was good to get to see you last night with my own two eyes versus a computer screen. Uh, we got to watch the balls get that 20-point dub against the Tigers right there. So it was good, man. Everything's good over here at the Williams Casa. How's everything going at the Mount Castle abode today? Oh, buddy, it's just fine and dandy. Uh, yeah, man, I had a blast with you last night. We had fun watching watching the balls uh, tame some Tigers. Man, we did. Uh, We're the Tiger Kings. Tiger Kings. Uh Tonight, we're going to recap the uh, Vols win over the Tigers in the Food City Center last night, give our player the game, put somebody on the Volin' Out milk carton. Uh, we're going to take a trip around the SEC and do some bracketology, uh, preview the Texas A&M game. We're going to talk to Coach G, too. Man, we got, we got a packed show today, don't we? Our cup runneth over, sir. It does. Well, man... Let's not waste any time. Let's get started. So last night, the six ranked volunteers did get a 20 point dub over the Tigers of LSU, 88 to 68. Um, one thing with this man, I mean, the game was never really in question. I mean, you know, it Tennessee played a great game, you know, right towards the end. The Tigers kind of got back into some, you know, making it a little bit, a little bit of a scary game for the Vols. But it was never really in question, in my opinion, man. No, man. Well, and we got off to Tennessee got off to a really hot start, too. I mean, they opened the game on a 15 one run. Yeah. So, well, let me pull up my stats that I've got right here for all of us. So you guys can see a beautiful picture of Mike the Tiger if you are watching on YouTube right over here on the corner. So, you know, <laughs> he looked just, shocked. man, he, he was just scared, bro. I mean, Smokey was coming <laughs> right at him and he said, oh, hell no, I don't want anything to do with this today. Um but the Vols scored on six of the first seven possessions of the game, uh, and they started out with a 15-3 to lead. And, man, if the shots are falling that way, you can't really say anything. I mean, in the first half, Tennessee shot 58% alone and was up by 23 going into halftime, man. I mean, ooh. It was just that, that first half, man, that was, just a, that was a beat down. Almost doubled them up. I mean, you you almost did, man. Um, one thing that I want to say from this game, too, uh, on Wednesday night, Dalton Connect became the second player uh, from a Power 6 program in the past 15 years to have 27 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, and 2 steals in the same game. Ironically, the last one to do so was LSU's Ben Simmons. Wow. Oh, man. That's almost poetic justice right there. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, man? I mean, man... Talking about Ben Simmons, too. I mean, the guy, he, he's not a good player in the league. I think Philadelphia ruined him. But that kid could flat out ball in college. Oh, my God. Yeah, he could. They they put one on us with him, you know, when yeah, he they came there, to so. They came to what was formerly known as the Thompson Bowling Arena and just put a killing on the balls. So, I, man. Don't don't want to ever see anything like that again come through there. But it was good to get to see Ben Simmons. I was there for that game. But, uh, you know, kind of going back to what happened last night, man. I mean, the game was, like I said, never really in question for the balls. I mean, when you jump out to a 15-3 to lead, start out the game, and you score on six of your first seven possessions, man, I wish that, the, you know, Tennessee could kind of bottle up what happened in that first half and be able to use that moving forward because it was it was as good of a first half of basketball as a team has played all year long. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, they came out hotter than fish grease, son. Just ready to go. <laughs> hotter than fish grease, man. I love that. I love that right there. Um, kind of diving into some stuff, you know, with the team stats from this game. Um, Tennessee just really kind of controlled every single aspect. Um, you know, Tennessee shot 55.5% from the field, so really, really good number. And that's for the entire game versus LSU's 41.5%. Uh, three pointers, man. Tennessee is on a streak right now with hot shooting. 
They are, man. 40, they are. It's 45.5%, man. Man, for they're, this they're game dangerous alone. right now. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, you go 11 to 24, man. I, I mean, do you get that every single night, dude? This team's cutting down nets in April. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely they are, man. Like you can't it's hard to be, it's hard to beat a team when they're playing good in general. It's hard it's even harder to beat a team when they're playing good and hitting the, the three ball. The three ball has turned into such a game changer now in college basketball, dude. It's ridiculous. It really has, dude. I mean, you kind of think about it right here, man. I mean, Chris Lofton was one of the first guys to really start shooting the ball exclusively from the three line. Um, And then a guy named Stephen Curry came through. Not sure if you guys have heard of him, but he kind of changed how all the kids are playing the game now as well. And man, it's just, it's great to see Tennessee finally have a team that can knock down the deep ball because there's been times in the past where that's just, (laughs) it's not been an option, man. Um, but one thing that really stands out to me on this too, man, LSU shot 41.4% from the field. They shot 24% from three in this game. So Tennessee's defense did exactly what it's supposed to. Yeah, they they, they chased them off the three-point line all night. Didn't give them easy shots. That that was the big thing. No, uh, not at all, man. I mean, and then you're looking at the free throw numbers. Uh, Tennessee shot 75% getting better needs to needs to go up five more percent get it up five more give me five give me five that's all i'm asking for and then lsu shot 63.6 percent from uh, the line in that game i mean lsu left eight points on the on on the table right there they missed eight of them man i mean you can't do stuff like that where tennessee left five points on the table so you know Numbers are not exactly where you need to have them at. Uh, man, that assist number just jumps off the screen at me right here. Too. Oh, dude. Uh, 23, 23, 23. To seven. To seven. And then the steal number 13. Buddy, they were they were on them tighter than uh, Dick's hat band last night. Man, well, and here's here's something on this too. And this is what I look at as a basketball guy right here. And I challenge our listeners and viewers to do this as well. Look at the top number. Well, I guess you kind of can't see it because our logo's in the way right there. So I'll explain it out right here. Tennessee made 31 shots from the field in this game, and they assisted on 23 of them. That's 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 crazy, dude. Oh, man, that's, that's... all coming from our boy Ziggy right there, honestly. Yes, sir. Yes, I mean, sir. Z's playing the best ball he's ever played in his life right now. Then, uh, Tennessee. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, uh, okay. So Tennessee on the rebounding, that's the one that Tennessee did lose on this. LSU had 40 boards where Tennessee had 26. Man, they whipped us. But, you know, it's like when I was sitting there, when we were sitting there watching the game last night, I was telling you, it was like Tennessee was in position to get a lot of them. They just didn't pull them in. Either they either they tried to one-hand it or just it just took a weird bounce and they didn't get it, or they went long. When When, you, when you're in position and they go long, that's a different story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the the problem with it is though is Tennessee got beat on a lot of those rebounds. I mean, they did. You, you're looking at this right here. LSU had 18 offensive rebounds. That is way too many. Yeah, yeah, to our five. Yeah, I mean, just just way too many. A um, couple other things I'm looking at right here. Tennessee only had seven turnovers on 23 assists. So really good night right there for the Volunteers. And then Tennessee had 13 steals. Six blocks versus LSU's none. Uh, I mean, man, just great. And then the largest lead of the game for the Volunteers was 26 points in this. Kind of diving into uh, the team stats right here. And let me get pulled up on my second screen right here for you guys. I apologize for that. Jonas Adu, man, 10 points, five boards, one assist, three blocks. Good game. Not a Jonas Adu game, though. I mean, Jonas has got to be better than that if Tennessee is going to do what Tennessee needs to do. Uh, Dalton Connect, 27 points, man. He's fallen off. I don't know what's going on with him. He's not hitting 30 on a nightly basis anymore, man. We'll have to, uh, next time we both get to a game, we'll have to put his face on the milk carton and say, look, get off of here. Yeah, Dalton, get your face off the damn milk carton. We don't want to put it up here. Uh, Off night. Man, Z, (laughs) I I just want to talk about this kid. Give me like two minutes right here on Zakai. So. Man, in 36 minutes last night, Zakai went 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line, 4 boards, 9 assists, 5 steals, 3 turnovers, so number needs to go down just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. And then, man, 17 points. 
It's, it was an impress. There's a reason we're both wearing uh, Zakai, Zakai today. Yeah, man, I had to had to get the graphic tee with his face on it right there because I'm. But so, listeners of the show, if there's a piece of Tennessee merchandise you want, buy it when you see it. Don't wait. I waited on the Hendon Hooker graphic tee like this. Waited on the Hendon Hooker jersey, and I can't get either one of them. So, buy what you want. That's what I've learned right here, and I'm going to share that with you guys. But man, Zakai is not only the best point guard in the SEC, he needs to be in the conversation for best point guard in America. Hey, I I don't disagree with you, dude. He's playing he is playing lights out ball right now on both ends of the court, too. Yeah, I mean, man, his defense is unbelievable and then his offensive game, man. I mean, 3 is 6 from 3. Man, it, where's this been? Like <laughs> there I I re, you know, obviously we go to the game, we rewatch it when we come home. So we, so, cause you know, you see and hear some stuff you just don't see and hear it at, at, at the arena. Dude, that one, that last three that he hit, he stroked that thing over that kid, man. Like that kid was all up in his grill and he's just like, you know what? Come get you some of that. Well, man, one thing about Zakai too, and he even talked about this uh, when he was on with one of the networks, I can't remember if it was ESPN or SEC Network, but he talked about how during the off season where he had that torn ACL, he worked on his shot mechanics and he changed his release of his shot to where it arches higher. And man, the kid's never going to see the NBA. He's not even going to get a cup of coffee in the NBA. His size is too much of a problem for the for the league. This kid is going to make so much damn money playing ball overseas because everybody's going to fall in love with him. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. Just the style of ball he plays is like that's likable in itself. But you know, we we talked to him last night for just a split second. Him and him and DK both, and I want to I want to take take a second to say how nice those two guys were. Outstanding by, young men. Yes, absolutely. Signed everything and anything for any of those kids. Took pictures with everybody. Uh, gave the gave that basketball actually to my boy this morning, and he loved it. Oh man, so, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, Jordan Jr. over there was jumping with joy. He loved it, dude. So shout out to the boys. They were they were great last night. It was cool to talk to them and get to get to mingle with them for just a minute, you know? Well, man, and, and that goes back to my point that I've made whenever Tyler's been on the show with us or Eric Kane or anybody. We have great kids over at the University of Tennessee right now, and it makes it so easy to cheer for them, man. I mean, you think about it. We've had a lot of knuckleheads over at the University oh, of Tennessee. Yeah. Can I say knucklehead on here? I think I can say knucklehead on here. Yeah. We've had a lot of knuckleheads at the University of Tennessee in our lifetime. I mean, hell, Tyler Smith and, you know, those guys are riding around with guns and weed in the car to go buy a cheeseburger on New Year's Day, and then Tyler gets kicked off the team. Jansen Jackson off the football team runs down to pilot with a BB gun trying to rob people because he thinks it's funny. Right. Now, with the administration we've got in place over on the Hill, you don't have that stuff anymore. And it all started when Rick Barnes came to Knoxville. Rick set this culture, and it's followed through in every single sport. And you're getting kids that we all love, man. I mean, it, it just, it's so nice, man. And Zakai Ziegler will never have number five hanging in the rafters because it's up there for somebody else, deservingly so. But, man, they need to find a way to honor Zakai because I'm not sure if the fan base has loved a single player across any sport like they've loved Zakai since I mean yeah I, I don't Josh Dobbs maybe uh, well maybe. no Hendon Hooker was Hendon Hooker was probably above so take Hendon Hooker out of the equation Zakai is probably I mean he's probably more loved than Josh Dobbs was honestly right there's I just mean, something I, about that number five brother man the number five jersey is <laughs> you've had the best athletes that the university has ever had wear that. I mean, Zakai, Admiral Schofield, Chris Lofton, obviously, Hendon Hooker with football, another guy with basketball too, man, that people forget. Josiah Jordan James wore number five to start out his career. So yeah. you got a lot of really good players who've worn that number. Um, speaking of a guy that we all love, um, and I think people think we just love to give him shit more than anything, honestly, Santiago Vescovi. Man. After he has two good games, right back to it. 21 minutes, shot the ball three times, only made one shot, two points, missed his one free throw that he had off that too. It was an and one opportunity. Just, man, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's losing those minutes, man. I mean, to a guy like Jordan Ganey. I mean, 
Ganey played more minutes last night and came off the bench. Deservingly yeah. so. But I mean, it's just kind of crazy to think about that, man. Um, another guy who I think had a really good game, but foul trouble in the first half limited him was Josiah Jordan James. 25 yeah. minutes, three of three from the field, two of two from three-point line, four boards, one assist, no turnovers, eight points. I want to see that number get into that 10 range. Like, I think what Tennessee needs to be is Akai and Dalton have to do what they've been doing all year. Yes. Then you need Jonas Adu, Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, or Jordan Ganey. One of those guys, or even Shaq. We'll throw May Shaq in here. You need one of those guys to get you 10 points every single night. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you, if you can get that kind of pr- production off your sixth man off the bench, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be a set sixth man, just a sixth man off the bench. If you can get that from them, that that's going to go a long way. But I still stand by what I said. Meshack's best three-point shooter on the team. It's the craziest <laughs> damn thing I ever heard anybody say in my life. <laughs> just um, like working you up. <laughs> I know you do. I, I know that's what you're trying to do, and I ain't going to fall for that today. Um, I am going to touch on one bench guy today, um, and it is Mr. Jordan Ganey. Go have yourself a day, young man. I mean, that was the best game he's ever played at Tennessee. By Easily. far. By Easily. far. 26 minutes coming off the bench, six of nine from the field, three of six from three, three of three from the line. He got two rebounds, three steals, no turnovers. I mean, he also had three assists and 18 points. Stuff the stat sheet, young man. I mean, Absolutely. good Lord, dude. And I, everybody knows I've been tough on him. Yeah, we both that have. ship has done sailed. I will never say anything bad about him again until he puts together a stretch of like five bad games, and then it's then it's open season right there. Um, man, I want to jump to LSU and kind of talk on what they did right here too. I mean, man, Tennessee was able to shut down Jordan Wright in this game. Right, I mean, yeah. man, nine points, three of sixteen. From the field. Ooh. One of seven from three, two of two from the line. The man, I mean, he just he averages he, he's their leader in points, rebounds, and assists. He didn't lead in points. He did not lead in rebounds. And he didn't lead in assist. Tennessee said no. We're taking Jordan Wright out of this game. He has no place in our arena to be able to do anything like this. And man. Tennessee's defense, great defense. Love what they're doing over there right now. Um, diving into the leaders for the game, uh, Dalton Connect, 27 points. Dalton Connect with seven rebounds, actually led the Volunteers last night. And then Z with nine assists led for the Volunteers. Man, we almost had two guys with a double-double. Man, wouldn't that have been fun? That would have been awesome. And then you got uh Jordan Wright out here couldn't hit the couldn't hit the ground with his hat if he wanted to last night. And it's like what you like to say. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And that was <laughs> yeah, the truest it. thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, just right there, man. But uh man, do we want to hear from Rick Barnes, see what he had to say after the game? Let's do it. Rebounding wise, how disappointing was that? I don't know, Mike. Uh, you asked me that when we after I watched the film, I just know that we had our hands on a couple of them. I thought we were trying to rebound the ball with one hand. Uh, and we can't do that. And I think you got to give them credit. They did a great job. Uh, and it was just awesome getting to the glass for them and getting there. But uh, we got to grab it. got to secure the ball with uh, two hands. And we're not doing enough of that right now. Rob, Ryan, Ben, Grant. Coach, two two games in a row where you know since you kind of called now might be too strong, but since you you know see guys were standing around looking at Dalton last two games, that is certainly not going to be the case. Is that what you want to see? Yeah, I mean obviously you love to bottle the first half. I mean you know we were terrific in the first half. I mean you know we really did do a lot of really good things. And obviously when the ball is going in like that, it, it all looks good. But I thought we were good in the second half. But uh, you know. Matt does a great job. Again, I told the guys, I mean, they're going to push and get back. They're too good a team. They play too good a schedule. And we, uh, I thought our shot selection wasn't as good in the second half and uh, missed free throws. We missed two free throws. Those turned into turnovers. And we gave them, or they got two wide open threes. And um, I, again, and when those happen early in the possession, it's, it's transition defense. And again, as much as we've talked about that, but if you break it down, the one thing was, just the second chance points they got off the, off the glass, and we got to fix that in, in a hurry. 
What do you like about the way Jordan sparks some things for y'all, especially on defense? You know, I was sitting beside his dad, and I thought he, I told him, kept telling his rhythm. But I said, but man, he's improved so much on the defensive end. He's really working so hard there. And I thought the only three that he rushed was the one in transition. He didn't quite get his feet set. But uh, uh, again, his biggest improvement is he's, everybody thinks he can just shoot it. He's he's not afraid to go in and you know try to create something off the bounce and. But uh, defensively, where he's improved more than anything this year, he's I mean, he was really taking it personal, but becoming an all-around player. Rick, for Dalton, statistically, he really filled up the box score in a lot of different areas. But would you consider this one of his more complete games this season? Well, I would, told him after the game when we were in the locker room talking about guys that had a good night looking at the stat sheet. He had, I think, his career high with seven rebounds. And I said to him, I said, you, you could have had 11. And uh, that's that's a fine line that uh, because you got a guy like that uh, who has a knack for scoring, and when we do run some isolation plays, which we did because we want we're going to need him to do that uh, with his back to the basket, and uh, he's going to have to make the right read out of it as opposed to trying to be overly aggressive. But I thought he did a good job at the end when we put him in the ball screen at the top, where I, I do think he was really trying to make the right play, but. Uh, his rebounding was key tonight and his assist. And uh, we, we've told uh, he, he and Jordan both, and, and he was a guy who's been terrific. And you know what? You guys are more than just guys that can shoot the ball. You guys are good players, and you don't think you just got to shoot it. Just play and you know do what you're good at. And, and um, I thought the Dawn's all-around game tonight was really good. It seemed like Jonas has been missing more shots around the rail lately that he wasn't missing to start the season. No, again, just like you know, you talk about uh, you guys have asked me this year about Jordan going through a slump. Uh, you know, uh, Jordan uh, and uh, and Josiah and whoever. I mean, post guys can do it too. And those, those aren't as easy as you think when uh, people are in there leaning on you and pushing, fighting for that position. But uh, we've seen him make it, and, and and we need him. We need him to do that. But we also need Tobey to come in. I think Tobey had one rebound tonight. He that's his job, he's got to come in. And I told those guys that they'll rebound the ball, do those tight things, set good screens because of what's surrounding them. They're going to get great looks at the basket, but uh, uh, it's not as easy as, as it looks as you think with what they with, uh, how they're guarded down there. And that is what Coach Rick Barnes had to say after the game against LSU. Jordan, what takeaways do you have from what Ricky Dale just told us right there? Well, uh, the biggest thing was Adu. Uh, we he's been missing some bunnies lately, but Ricky Dale's right. You know, uh, it's hard whenever you're getting down there and you're getting beat half to death. But you know, at the same time, that's part of the position you play. Drop your sack and play ball. You're right on that, man. And one other thing too, I'm going to say on this: we're us as the media. And as fans, we're fans first, but let's just call it what it is right here. We're very critical on these kids. Sure. A couple things with this. Who was ready to put pitchforks out for Santi and Triple J uh, with all that that was going on? Me right here, you, everybody else who's watching this. Now that is turned over to Jonas. And we want to look at this and say, well, Jonas didn't have the best game he's ever had. Man, it still wasn't bad. But it no. wasn't good. Like it, it wasn't it was what he did for him. Yeah, well, it wasn't what he was doing earlier in the year, and that's why people right. are upset about it. It's not. I, I don't know. I'm trying to find the right words. Words are hard right now for me. I guess I don't know what's going on, but you know, we're we're just picking on him so much and so much and so much, deservedly so, because that's what he puts himself in being in the position that he's in. But at the same time, what do you do? I mean, right? It's it's a college kid at the end of the day, still. Absolutely. Um, you know, and to an extent, maybe some, some of us are nitpicking because he still did have a decent game last night. I mean, he was four for six from the field, 10 points, but you know, you get, it's one of those things. It's kind of like what, and I'm not comparing him to LeBron James by no means, because they're not even in the same stratosphere, but it's one of those things where with like LeBron, you get so used to seeing him do incredible things on the ball court every, every night that you just, it's just, you know, status quo when he does when he has a bad game he has a bad game 
you got you you get used to seeing Adu, you know, have a fifteen and ten game, you know, back to back to back or whatever, and then he doesn't go out there and perform how we as fans think he should. We're ready to get the pitchforks out. You know, man, it it drives me crazy sometimes on that because well, like, let's think about this too, kind of like what you said. Sure, Jonas didn't have the game that he had against who was it, Mississippi State, Florida, you know, those teams like that. But he's still not playing bad ball, and he's grown a lot. And one guy I'll use as an example on this too, um, you know, everybody was ready to throw in the towel on Chris Lofton his senior year. Well, came out that he was going through cancer, all that. Should have applied for another year of eligibility. He probably would have got it. I mean, I don't think the NCAA is heartless like that. But that's neither here nor there. He didn't do it, man. Um, but, that, I mean, that's just kind of one of the takeaways I've got. I mean, I'm going to be tough on Jonas. It's what we do. It's what we're supposed to be doing. But, man, the kid didn't play a horrible game like a lot of people are saying. Um, and now, man, with that being said, uh, who was the player of the game from last night for you, man? Buddy, I think I'm going to go with our, with our boy Jordan Ganey. Hey, man, it's, it's hard not to go with him. Man, I'm going to take Zakai honestly on this. I mean, just what he's been doing, man. I mean, it's hard not to pick the kid whose face is literally right here. Like he's right. on my shirt. He's on our Zakai's on the show with us today, man. Let's just think about it that way. Right. I'm going to hit you with I'm going to hit you with one off the on the fly here. What was your play of the game from last night? Play of the game, man. I don't have a specific play that stands out. I'm going to go with how Zakai's play was in general. The threes that he hit early and often, that's what I'm going to go with right there because then it's like, okay, if he's doing this, he's back to doing what he's been doing. He had a couple of games where he was a little bit off. Yeah. Now, who else is going to show up other than him and Dalton? And that's the question we have to ask year for the rest of the year. Who's going to show up? Who's not going to show up? You need Dalton and Zakai to do what they do. Then you need the rest of the guys to get you five to eight points a game, then you need somebody to get into the double figures is with them as well. If you do that, Tennessee's going to win a lot of games. The Tennessee big three has got to be, has got, has got to put out. And the thing about that big three is, is that third person is interchangeable. Well, and I love it. This team yeah. is more poised to do a lot of things than what they have been doing in the past. Um, but Jordan, man, is it milk carton time? It is. I want to say one thing, though, before we hit the milk cart. Okay. I asked you about your play of the game. There was one play last night that you and I both were just, like, losing our mind over. And it wasn't really anything spectacular. It was just uh, that they had they set a, a double high screen. And I believe it was our boy Ganey just come up wide, wide open off of it, dunked it. That was, that was fundamental basketball in a nutshell on that play right there. I love it that high pick and roll with us man i love, love it. it love it man love it well for the milk carton today boys and after i just went on this whole tangent about jonas adu i hate to do it but jonas oh. adu you are on the milk carton today bud need to see a little bit more from you get you back to doing what you were doing earlier in the season when you were you know double double machine all of that i mean just kind of what tennessee needs to do right there but jordan man I think we beat this horse as much as we can. Well, not the horse, the tiger as much as we can right here. Uh, how about we give Mike the tiger a break and we uh, run to break ourselves real quick. That sounds good, man. If you're looking for the perfect Smoky Mountain vacation, Mountain Romance is your cozy romantic getaway. Starting at $129 per night, you get two bedrooms, two full baths, and this beautiful cabin will sleep up to six people. With an amazing mountain view, fire pit, pool table, and hot tub, this place has it all and is located within minutes of downtown Gatlinburg. To inquire, go to Airbnb and search for Mountain Romance or email bearslayer2021 at gmail.com. This next segment is brought to you by Three Kings of Cardboard, the go-to spot to upgrade your sports memorabilia collection. Check out their Facebook group and eBay at Three Kings of Cardboard. I have dealt with them personally and will not deal with anybody else. My favorite item from them is my Jalen Wright one-of-one one Bowman U Superfactor that they have pulled me. Check out our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard today. Grant, buddy, what do you think? What do you think about taking a trip around the SEC and talking some bracketology? Man, it's getting it's getting that time, man. It's crazy it that March is almost here. But yeah, dude, let's uh, let's jump into some SEC stuff right here. So, guys, we are no longer going to do the SEC scores that don't matter because honestly, 
Vanderbilt does not need a regular spot on our show. Sorry, Corey. We love you, Corey Burton. You're a great right. friend of ours, but but we don't care about Vanderbilt. Um, so a couple of games right here that really stood out to me um, and how I'm going to do this moving forward is the teams that can impact the SEC race for Tennessee or the next opponent for Tennessee on the schedule. Sure. So there's a handful of teams, Auburn and Alabama, the hardwood version of the Iron Bowl uh, last night, man. Hell of a game. Dude. I mean, there was, one of the best games I've seen in a while. Right? There was 85 fouls called in that game last night. <laughs> that's what it no, seems that's, like, dude. Th- no, that's no exaggeration. That is the exact number. 85. What? 85. Yes. Jesus Christ. Or, I'm sorry. In the world? A- 85 foul shots. I, I apologize. 85 okay, foul I was going to say 85 fouls, man. They, they probably played that game for six hours. Either way, though, dude, that is a ton of foul shots, man. 85. Yeah, it really is. But man, Auburn was victorious in this one, uh, 99 to 81. Um, Auburn knocks off Alabama for the first time since they came to Knoxville. So Alabama is beatable. I mean, that's that's a silver lining in this, uh, you know, not just for Tennessee, but they're beatable for the rest of the conference. War Eagle. Hey, I agree with that, man. War damn Eagle. Um, another game of interest, uh, Tennessee's arch nemesis. The Kentucky Wildcats made the trip out to the 615 and Laid it on the Commodores, 109-77. Kentucky gets back to their winning ways after having just a horrible week last week uh, with the midweek game against Florida and then the, the weekend uh, cap against Tennessee. Just really rough for Kentucky, but it was nice to see them get back to their winning ways, if I do want to say so, because it means a lot more for Tennessee if Kentucky's getting those wins. Yes, absolutely. That was, makes the uh... rivalry a lot better. That was a get-right game right there, and uh, Vandy just so happened to be on the schedule next uh, with a Kentucky team that was pissed off and mad about it. Oh, and I mean, they got their ass chewed all week by Calipari. Let's call it what it is. Oh, my God. I can't do that. But, man, one thing I want to say on Calipari, too, I've been listening to Tyler Ivins a lot. Good friend of the show. Shout out Tyler Ivins, hashtag HYFT. Going to just say all your stuff right there, hashtag Gentleman's Hour, all that. But, Tyler... But, you know, he was on the radio the other day, and Tyler also made the trip up to Lexington on Saturday, just like I did. Well, Tyler had better seats. Uh, I guess the media likes him a little bit more than they like me. But he got to sit on the floor, and he was talking about it, and he's like, there was one guy saying, you know, I, one of the big boosters over there, guy who gives a lot of money to the program, said, I'm not sure how much more longer Slick Suit is going to be getting my money. Oh, so there could be some changes up in the Commonwealth state at the end of this year. Not sure, but it's something to think about right there. So just tossing that out right there. Some unru- unrest amongst the coal miners. Well, man, if Kentucky goes out there and they make a good hire, it's a nightmare for Tennessee. But if they go out there and they hire a Donnie Tindall, a Conzo Martin, one of those type of guys, it'd be the best thing that could ever happen to Tennessee. It's one of those things for me, though, man. It doesn't matter, you know. Cal gets some. This is the time of the year Kentucky starts getting it together every year because they they're they're so young to start the season. Usually, it's one of those things. You fire him. Who are you going to go get? I know. I know Kentucky can probably go get who they whoever they probably want to get. But realistically, who are you going to go get? Because Cal is a top five coach in the in the in NCAA basketball. He used to be a top five coach. I don't think he is anymore. Top 10. Top 10, yes. If I'm Kentucky, though, and I'm targeting somebody, there's one phone call I would make and one phone phone call only. The guy knows how to win in the SEC already, and I would look no further than Nate Oates at Alabama. Just saying. That just saying you get a guy who's proven he can win in the SEC, and then he goes to this most storied program in the SEC? Game over. I mean, the guy wins five championships, probably. Not really, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or the must bust from Arkansas. I think he wants out of the SEC, just personally. Personally, I think he wants out of the SEC, and he wants to go to a lower level. Kind of like what he did before he went to uh, Arkansas. Sure. But if you're looking for, you know, somebody that can develop guys and get and, and is a good coach, I think those are your two guys. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with you, man. Or Lamont Paris at South Carolina, which is who we're going to talk about right now. Um, man, South Carolina struggle, struggle, struggle win on Tuesday night. Uh, one by three points to an Ole Miss team. Um, 
Ole Miss is not as good as any of us thought they were. Let's go ahead and call it. Don't know why our buddy uh, Pigskin Petey wants to say they're going to win the Natty, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we're going to, but we're going to have to get Pigskin back on with us and explain that that pick a little bit more. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on right there, but then I mean South Carolina three point win. But I will say this, man. I mean Ole Miss had a great game plan, really kind of pushed on a lot of different things that South Carolina doesn't do well. That's a bad matchup for South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina is going to have those type of issues again. And then the last game that is of any interest to us at all. And for some reason, Missouri is on my show right here and I'm upset. I'm just kidding. Um, Texas A&M, who is Tennessee's next opponent, 79 to 60 over the Missouri Tigers. Um, Put that one in there because Texas A&M is Tennessee's next opponent. Yes. Kind of diving into the standings right here in the conference, man. Um, You've got a three-way tie at the top, Alabama, South Carolina, and Auburn. Tennessee's a half game back. We'll change up once the other teams get to their buys. But right now, Tennessee is in a share of second place. Well, Tennessee is in second place by themselves. I'm sorry. Right. No, you're good. You're good. Listen, listen, looking at that, though, Tennessee still controls its own destiny. Well, that's Get, the truth. I mean, Tennessee we got to play games. all three of them left. Yeah, you've got all three of them left. You've got rematch games against uh, Carolina and Auburn. No, Carolina and Alabama. Auburn comes to the Food City Center here in a couple of weeks. Tennessee still has games against Kentucky and A&M on the schedule as well, who could kind of reach Tennessee. Um, man, I mean, we the best part of the season is coming up. It's going to take about two more weeks to get here, but you look at that, the closing of the year. Holy shit, man. It's going to be, be great basketball. You can find uh, out, you go find out real quick who, who, who wants to make that push. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong on that, man, but Tennessee does control their own destiny. At the end of the day, you take care of, take care of business against Auburn. You go down to Columbia, you do that. Uh, you take care of the Gamecocks down there, which is a revenge game, will be circled on the team schedule. Let's be realistic on that. Then you've got to go to Tuscaloosa on March 2nd. Uh, go play the Crimson Tide. That one will be tough right there. I don't think that one's going to be as easy as it was in, at the Food City Center. Going to go out on a limb and say that right now. And then you still got, I mean, Kentucky. They still come to Knoxville, man. Yeah. I mean, So you've got a loaded schedule to end that out right there. But, bro, it's my favorite time of the year. It's bracketology it's, time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It really is, man. Um, so, guys, did a lot of research last night. Um, things may have changed by the time that this is posted. But as of February the 8th at 4.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this was current. So, it's what we're going to roll with. Um, bracketology, uh, Joe Lenardi does have Purdue as his top overall seed. The other one seeds are UConn, North Carolina, and Houston. Vols are currently sitting as the top second seed. So that would have Tennessee actually playing out of Charlotte, North Carolina, or Memphis, Tennessee, depending on where the university would want to go. So they would get to pick. Um, that's how it works. The top seed gets to pick which region they go in. Um, so it all depends, honestly, where the best matchup is for Tennessee to make it to the final four out of those two. If you get North Carolina in Charlotte, which you probably will, I think that's a better matchup for Tennessee. I think that was just a bad game when Tennessee played them. Sure. Purdue, I don't really want anything to do with Purdue, honestly. UConn, if they're in the region that plays out of Memphis, take that one all day long and twice yeah. on Sundays. All day long. I like Tennessee against UConn a lot. Um, and then Houston is another team that I think Tennessee matches up really well against. Yeah. Um, Rick Barnes all time record in the NCAA tournament is 27 and 26. Ooh. And he does have one final four under his belt, which was with Texas in 2003. The volunteers have been to the big dance 25 times and the Vols have reached the elite eight once, which was back in 2010, which was the furthest the Vols have been. Man, 27 and 26. Well, shows he's been to the tournament twenty six times. That's how I look at it. That oh way. yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. That's just that's that's close. That's a that's that's a little close for comfort. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, most coaches are going to have it that way. Think about yeah. it this way. Yeah, that's they true. all. There's only one coach that goes through that whole tournament without a loss. That's true. Each year, so you're going to have that. And I mean, 
the fact he's been able to win 27 games in the big dance, man, I mean, I'm going to take that right there oh, yeah. because it's he's a proven coach who can do it. Um, get you there. there are a lot of teams on the bubble from the SEC, so that's why I included this in on the slide right here. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State have the last four buys. Out of the last four in, Florida is currently sitting right there. Um, one thing I love, and I'm going to throw a dig in on this, look at who's sitting at the top of the next four out. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Shout out Memphis, but Penny Hardaway, we don't like you, bro. We don't like you at all. A couple things I would change with this graphic right here, though. Okay. Mississippi State is not going to make the tournament. Really? Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could. See I don't that. think they will. I think that they're an NIT team this year, and I think Florida is as well. I would probably move Wake Forest into the last four buys. Shout out Steve Forbes, former assistant coach at the University of Tennessee. think that he's got a great program down there. And then I would also move Cincinnati into uh, the last four in. Just, just the two that I would do right there. Everything else I kind of agree with. SEC is currently projected to have nine teams in the big dance with Tennessee being the top seed that would come from the SEC currently sitting at the top two seed. Um, lots of different teams are on there. I will include the in on our next time we do that, where the other teams are projected to be at. Okay. Um, and this right here is the bracket per ESPN's Joe Lenardi. Um, as of February the 5th, he releases them weekly. This was the most recent one right here. Um, it has Tennessee playing out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and the first matchup right there would be Drexel. So could Drexel. be interesting right there. Um, I don't expect Tennessee to have a lot of issues going into that matchup if that's the one it is. But also, guys, let's remember this. It's February 8th. We got, a, got five weeks until this is even realistic right here. And you know, we'll break down our brackets uh, the night they're released for you guys here on the show. Uh, maybe do a live show or something like that, and people can interact and send theirs in as well, and we'll grade them or something like that. But Heck yeah. you know, that's kind of what uh what I've got right here for bracketology, Jordan. Buddy, who who's your top four seeds? Man, so if I'm going to take a top overall team right now, I mean, I'm going to agree with Lenardi right here. I think Purdue is probably the best team in college basketball right now. Really, really good team. I mean, just hard to stop Zach Eady. He is so dominant because of his size. He's not the best player in America. The best player in America is playing out of Knoxville. Right. The size. He's the most dominant player. It makes it really tough to do that. Um, So I take them as my number one seed. My number two seed... Man, I would probably take UConn, even though I like how Tennessee would match up against UConn. My third overall seed, man, this is not Grant going GBO right here, but I think Tennessee is the third best team in college basketball this year. I've said it for a while. If Tennessee can replicate what they did against Kentucky any given night, or if they've got to slow it down and muck it up, I like Tennessee's chances against anybody in the country not named Purdue, honestly. Um, and then my fourth overall seed, man, even though even though they just lost, give me North Carolina still. Okay. Okay. I think that's a really good team right there, man. But Look, that's, that, that's what I've got right now. Um, and like I said, we'll we'll do some more stuff on bracketology as the season continues, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Jordan? Is it TAMU time? It's TAMU time. Let's look at the Aggies. Let's look at the Aggies. So the Volunteers are taking on the Aggies on Saturday, uh, February the 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN. The Vols are currently sitting in second place in the SEC. Um, the ESPN matchup predictor gives Tennessee a 59% chance to go on the road to College Station and get the dub. The uh, Aggies are currently in a share of fourth place in the conference. Once again, I don't think this Texas A&M team is that great. Um, high expectations to start out the year, but have slowly fallen off as the season has gone. Um, You're right. Aggies are led by Wade Taylor the fourth. He was the SEC preseason player of the year. Kid can ball. If you guys have not watched anything on Wade Taylor, hit YouTube, go look at some of his highlights, and you're gonna your jaw's gonna be on the floor. This kid's yeah. a junior, so. He might return back to College Station for another year. Just something to think about right there. Um, Buzz Williams is the coach of the Aggies, former 
coach at Virginia Tech and Marquette. His overall head coaching record is 342-210. to 210. Uh, Buzz Williams was the coach of the year in the SEC back in 23, so last season as well. Something to kind of look at right there. Tennessee is averaging 80 points per game, 67.2 points allowed per game, 45.3% per game from the field, 39 boards per game, 17 assists per game, five blocks per game, and eight steals per game, and is on a two-game win streak. The Aggies average 73.7 points per game, 67.9 points allowed per game, 39.5% from the field. Ooh, man, that is ugly. That's Um, ugly. 43 boards per game, so good right there. They've got the number on Tennessee right there. Um, 11.2 assists per game, uh, almost three blocks per game, and seven and a half steals per game. And they are also on a two-game win streak. Um, I think Tennessee has a major advantage in this game, though, because Tennessee's a better shooting team. Honestly, I mean, uh, the name of the game is get the ball in the bucket at the end of the day. I was going to say, I think that that plays into that that rebound number being a little lopsided. You miss that damn much, you better be rebounding. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, man? Um you know, and then kind of just diving into what the key players are in this matchup. Um, Wade Taylor's name is on here twice. He's the leader in assist and board and uh, points per game. And then they've got Garcia as their leader in boards per game. But you look at this number, man. Tennessee beats them in every single statistical category except for rebounds. That's that's where. Well, let's let's go back to uh, what Ricky Dale had to say earlier. I bet you we see a team going going to College Station next weekend. Uh, this weekend, looking to uh, eat some glass. I think so, man. I Rick's going to drive on it and drive on it and drive on it until the team fixes it. And yes. here we are. I mean, we're you know, we're you're in February now, and February is where the good teams separate themselves from the great teams. Yeah, Tennessee's Absolutely. had a great February so far. Two one zero in the month of February. Huge win over Kentucky at Rupp, place you hardly have ever won at before. Win against LSU at home. What yeah. can you do to grow off of that? Yeah, the, these next four games for for Tennessee start, or well, the next five games now, excuse me, for Tennessee starting with LSU last night. This is where, to me, they need to fix what they need, to, what they can fix, which isn't a whole lot. There's not a whole lot wrong with this team right now. I mean, no. they're just, they're clicking, they're, they're firing on all cylinders, but whatever you can fine tune, you need to do so over the next two weeks. So let me ask you this, Jordan, what's the one weakness of this Tennessee team so far? You know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. It's not even, and it's not a knock on their mentality or anything like that. I think it's the lack of killer instinct. They let teams claw back into a game. We seen it last night. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, last night was a perfect example on that. I think that where the team's weakness is, though, honestly, man, is the down low play. If Jonas isn't giving you anything, Tobey will give you some decent minutes, but you're not getting anything. Yeah, I mean, let's call it what it is. That's true. That's true. Um, I think I think either one of those two. That's something that they can that they need to work on because Adu's got to bump up that consistency level a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, here we are. It's it's time to get some th- get some things right. Uh, one one guy though that I wanted to mention for A and M to watch for Henry Coleman the third. Ten point seven rebounds, one assist a game. He shoots fifty eight percent from the field. Okay, something could to think a, about right there. Could be one uh, we need to watch. But man, we 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 heard from Coach G last night. You let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, I had a chance to chat with Coach G, uh, Garrett Maidenwald, who's the director of uh, student-athlete performance for the basketball team. So this is what he had to say. Guys, we are here with Garrett Maidenwald, director of performance for the men's basketball team at the University of Tennessee. Garrett, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Hey, Garrett, so kind of talk to us about the season. What all's went into the extra work that the team has been able to put in so far to be able to get the record of where they're at? So it starts in the off season, and I'll sit down with a coach, and I'll put together a plan based on how he wants to play, what pace he wants to play, and then we'll go through individuals and talk about what they need to do to be able to impact winning. 
And so it comes down to those goals, and then from there we'll put a plan in place. And uh, these guys put in extremely hard work, so I'm proud of what they do. It's challenging, it's tough, and uh, they know there's going to be adverse moments, but the fun part is watch them succeed and them get better through those moments. You're right on that, man. I mean, they, they've really succeeded and uh, ex exceeded all expectations for the season. Uh, kind of talk about Saturday. What all went into that game at Rupp? Uh, you know, I was in attendance up there at Rupp Arena, and, man, it's a lot of fun. Not a lot of orange, but we were still loud on that. Uh, kind of talk about that experience on getting, uh, I guess it was your fourth win up at Rupp since you've been on the, on the uh, staff up here at UT. So, number one, appreciate you coming and supporting the Vols and standing out in that orange and the blue. Uh, number two, it starts out with the work that they put in the offseason, but then the daily habits that they have to do. And so what we'll look at is we'll look at force play data paired with Connexon data. We'll run some, well, we got some great people that help us out run some uh, data analytics on it and look at what impacts uh, different performance metrics. So it could be jump height, propulsive, breaking impulse, different metrics that we want to track. And then we'll put together a program to try to enhance those. And so... From that standpoint, it's, it's all about finding the individual needs of each person and helping them succeed in that regard. Yeah, man, you're absolutely right on that. And then one last thing for you, man. I mean, I know Dalton's been a really big part of the team this year. Kind of talk about what went into uh, getting him to come to Rocky Top and all that. You know what, it was, it was awesome to have him here on his visit and that he was so excited to get in here and be a part of this environment to have these facilities. And then he came in early, did some work, and uh, during his time he's put on 14.8 pounds and improved his uh, explosive strength by, I can't remember the exact metric, but in the 20 percentile. So uh, proud of the work that he's put in. It's a testament to him and his habits and what he's been able to do. Man, guys, that has been Coach Garrett Maidenwald, Coach G. Check him out. And it's been great having you, man. Thank you so much. So that was from my conversation with Garrett Maidenwald last night. Uh, Jordan, I mean, you were right there with me on that. Such a nice guy, man. Um, loves, loves, loves being a part of the University of Tennessee as well. Absolutely, man. It was cool that he was like, hey, give me a couple minutes. I'll be right back. And he come, he come right back to us, bud. Yeah, uh, we wish we would have got that luck with everybody we asked. But hey, <laughs> here we are on that. Um, but guys, I think we've kind of hashed out this one as much as we can, honestly. Don't you think, Jordan? I think so, buddy. We got uh, we got something big planned uh, to drop tomorrow around noon. We got to get ready for that. And, buddy, let's end it like we ended every week, every episode. Go Vols! Go Vols! This episode of the Vol and Out podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Peace of Mind Enterprises. From construction, home remodel, down to general handyman services, Peace of Mind has you covered. All technicians are licensed and insured servicing East Tennessee with 30 plus years of experience. Call 865-202-7167 for a free estimate because nothing beats having peace of mind.